0: As we continue in our series looking at the parables of Jesus, I invite you to turn this morning with me to Mark chapter 4, the gospel according to Mark chapter 4, and we will be reading verses 26 through 29 of the fourth chapter of the gospel of Mark. This is the word of the living God. And Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle. Because the harvest has come. Let us pray. Almighty God, we ask that you would send your spirit to illumine our minds and our hearts this morning from the reading and preaching of your word. That we may apply it. That we may gain a heart of wisdom and understanding. That we would understand the way you are at work. and Even when we don't understand the way you are at work we would continue to trust in your goodness, in your sovereignty, in your grace to us. Through Christ our Lord and Savior we pray. Amen. This may come as a shock to some of you, but I actually remember the days before cell phones were around. Back then we at least had a, a rudimentary understanding. We understood the basics of how communication works. As telephones, landlines, they, they took the sound waves of our voice spoken through a microphone and converted it into pulses that travel through a network of wires to a receiver on the other end. And even if we didn't know exactly all of it, all the science behind it or the ins and outs, we understood that the sound is transmitted through the wires. But today, there are no wires. Our cell phones are not connected to anything, so our voices, they travel through the air and they're picked up and transmitted by by cell towers and they're transmitted into satellites in outer space to get to the person on the other end of that line. It's very mysterious to most of us and we probably rarely, if ever, think about it. But isn't it amazing to consider that this device that all of us have that's not connected to anything, can take our voice and send it through the air into outer space and end up on the other side of the world. Just like that. It's amazing, it's it's wondrous. And we take it for granted and accept that it works, but we don't know exactly all the ins and outs of how it works. In our parable this morning, Jesus talks about the mystery of the way the kingdom of God works. And it's much like the mystery of modern communication devices, modern cell phones and mobile gadgets. The title of the sermon this morning is The Mystery of Kingdom Growth. and That's really one of the points that I want us to see. But before we see the mystery of kingdom growth, the first point I want us to see is the certainty of kingdom growth. The certainty of kingdom growth. Jesus once again draws our attention to the process of farming and agriculture to teach us a spiritual lesson this time he's describing the entire process of farming but the focus is on the beginning and on the end verse 26 you have the beginning a man is scattering seed on the ground and in verses uh, 27 and 29 you have the end The earth produces, and it grows as a blade, and then an ear, and then the full grain, and then the grain is ripe and it's harvested. So the beginning and end of the process is the focus of Jesus' parable. But there's a lot that goes on in between. And behind all of this stands God as the ultimate cause. God created and designed seeds of whatever kind to be planted in the ground in order that they may grow. God created man and God has given to man the understanding and the skill of of plowing and tilling and fertilizing and and watering and everything that goes up into providing that seed the proper environment and everything it needs so that it may grow as God has designed and intended it to grow. The fact that the man sleeps and rises night and day, verse 27 It does not mean that the man is passive and not involved in the process at all. That's simply Jesus' way in this parable of saying that time passes by. Time passes between the sowing and the scattering of the seed and the sprouting and growing and harvesting of the seed. But according to verse 28, the seed that was scattered comes forth from the earth in various stages of growth until it has reached its intended purpose, according to God's design. Now, how does this relate to the kingdom of God? Here, Jesus focuses on the certainty of kingdom growth. The seed, as we have seen from another parable previously, is the word of God that's proclaimed by by Jesus, by his apostles, by preachers and evangelists, and by missionaries, and indeed by every Christian who testifies uh, to uh people about how God has changed their life and presents their witness uh, to him and as the seed is continually sown over time that seed is going to grow and produce results people are going to be brought into the kingdom of God and they are going to be matured as they grow in Christian discipleship and the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit The seed of God that is sown is going to land on some good soil under the sovereign providence of God and he is going to make that seed sprout it will come up even though for a time it may remain hidden just like that seed for a time remains hidden under the dirt and you see no sign that it's actually doing something but even as it's hidden under the dirt Things are going on. The water and the sun and the the nutrients in the soil are at work. Matthew Henry says, quote, Let but the word of Christ have the place it ought to have in a soul, and it will show itself. Just like the the seed eventually shows itself, first by a a, a blade or a sprout, and then the ear, and then it begins to show itself more and more and more until the the grain is, is ripened. Jesus is teaching his audience here in his incarnate ministry that the kingdom is present with his preaching and teaching here on earth. But the kingdom process of growth is, is already underway. It's been initiated by the arrival of the King of the kingdom, Jesus Christ. And so for us here today, we learn that even now the kingdom is still growing. Even now, the kingdom is still growing. People around the world are still hearing the word as the seed is scattered, and God is causing that seed to begin its growth and to begin the process of maturing. Now, of course, our desire here is that this local expression of the kingdom of God would grow in number. But whether or not growth in number occurs here Growth is still occurring. The kingdom is still growing. The kingdom is growing in Africa. The kingdom is growing in Asia and in the Middle East and in North America and in South America and in Europe. It's growing in California, it's growing in New York, it's growing in North Carolina. Even if it does not appear to be growing in number, and even if it does not appear to be growing in number in this particular location at this particular time, That does not mean the kingdom has suddenly stopped growing. It is still growing, even though we do not necessarily see it. But Jesus is also teaching us something else here regarding the certainty of kingdom growth. The Jews expected the kingdom of God to burst upon the scene with explosive power to overthrow the Roman Empire. So the audience hearing this parable is asking themselves, what do you mean the kingdom is here? Where is it? Where's this explosive power I've been expecting? Where is this overthrow of the Roman Empire? Where is the establishment of the rule of righteousness? Where is the throne of David? What do you mean that you and your little band of followers are proof that the kingdom has arrived? Where is the deliverance of Israel? Where is the freedom from Gentile rule? One of Jesus' points here is that the kingdom's coming is more complex than we expect it to look like. The kingdom is going both to come and to grow according to God's will and decree, not according to our expectations. The kingdom is going to come and to grow according to God's decree and God's will, not according to our expectations. Where is the kingdom of God today? It's not in the impressive eloquence of man or the brilliance of human wisdom. It's in the preaching of the foolishness of the cross. Part of the kingdom of God is right here. We tend to think of the kingdom of God as something elsewhere, but when we gather together, the kingdom is right here in our midst. Jesus is dwelling with us. The king of the kingdom is dwelling within the midst of his people. You may feel discouraged because we are small. You may feel weak and helpless, but the reality is though we cannot see it, though we cannot feel it, the word of God tells us that the kingdom is right here. And that should be a great encouragement kingdom is right here. It doesn't look like earthly kingdoms. It may not look like what we expected it to look like. But the kingdom is here. And even though we are not necessarily growing in number, there's another way that the kingdom grows, and that is growth and maturity. Growth and maturity. And I don't know about you, and I don't say this to brag, but I know for certain that I am more spiritually matured now than I was when I first got here five years ago. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was. I like to think that I would be somewhere between a, the grain and the, the ripened the grain, but in reality, I'm probably somewhere more between the, the, the blade and the, the stalks, maybe even further back. I don't know. But I'm more mature, and my prayer is that you are more mature because of the work of the Spirit of God through the ordinary means of grace. That seed that was planted through the preaching of the Word, God is at work to grow it within us, to mature us as his disciples. Even if we don't feel it, even if we don't necessarily see it, you no, know, you can you can sit there and you can stare at that spot in the ground where you planted the seed all day long, and you're not going to see anything different, are you? It takes time for you to see the seed starting to grow, right? It's the same thing with sanctification. It takes time. We don't see sanctification necessarily from one day to the next, but we see it over the years and over the decades. Kingdom is growing here the kingdom is growing around the world the kingdom is growing in number the kingdom is growing in maturity there is a certainty to the growth of the kingdom of God and that is because God is the one who has created the kingdom he is the king of the kingdom and he is working to build his kingdom he is the one who causes the growth to be certain next I want us to see the mystery of kingdom growth the mystery of kingdom growth it is certain but it's also mysterious this is emphasized in verse 27 he sleeps and rises night and day and he goes about you know making sure that everything is is done to the to the garden or to the farm and the seed sprouts and grows he knows not how and then in verse 28 the earth produces by itself this is where we get our word automatic from the underlying greek is it's not that the farmer is passive, as if he's not involved in the in, as part of the process. He makes sure that the that the seed uh, has what it needs. He provides the water. He he puts nutrients into the soil. He can't provide the sun, but God has provided the sun, and God also provides the rain. He is involved in the process, but he doesn't know. I mean, we we give water to our crops and to our plants, but but. We don't cause the plant to grow. We don't cause the the plant to, to blossom. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 6 and 7. He writes this to the church. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth god who gives the growth is the emphasis of the parable not that man is absent from the process craig blomberg sums it up this way quote jesus is teaching that human beings cannot control or predict the growth of the kingdom End quote the farmer does all he is supposed to do but all he knows is that seeds need good soil and water and light in order to grow and produce he doesn't know how it all works together, and the, the farmer certainly does not cause the water to make the seed grow. He doesn't cause the sun to rise and set. He doesn't cause the rain to happen. He simply provides what is needed as best as he can, and the seed does all the work. All of those environmental things work together to cause the seed to come up out of the earth. first as a sprout or a blade, as the ESV translates it in verse 28, and then an ear, and then the full grain in the ear, and then that grain becomes ripe. Now it's edible. Now it's useful for harvest. The farmer provides the environment, but it's the seed and the earth and the way that God set up his creation that work to transform from seed to fruit. As one commentator puts it quote the kingdom is god's kingdom and humans do not understand or cause its process end quote it's the mystery of the wind we don't know where it comes from or where it's going and that is the mystery of the work of the holy spirit in some places god gives an increase of 30 fold in other places he gives an increase of 60 fold and still yet in other places 100 fold we don't know why that place and not another place. We don't know when there have been times where where God has sent His Spirit and there has been true revival and a dramatic increase in the kingdom. And yet there have been times when God has withheld His Spirit, and the kingdom seems to be stagnant, or maybe even decreasing from our human perspective. This is the mystery of kingdom. Growth. It's the mystery of scattering the seed. We don't know when we spread the word of God, whether it's landing on, on thorny soil or rocky soil or along the pathway or in good soil. We don't know that. And when it works on, lands on godly soil, good soil, we don't know when the Holy Spirit is going to take that and cause it to start growing and maturing. We don't know any of that. It's all mysterious to us. From this we learn that we must be patient. We must be patient as God causes the kingdom to grow according to his working. We must be patient. I think some have left our fellowship here because they got impatient with God and the expected growth here was not happening according to their expectations. But kingdom growth is a process. It takes time. And since God is the one who must seriously, at least to our our perspective, makes his kingdom grow as he wants it to grow, we must be patient with him. Numerical growth is a process. Maturity growth is a process. The maturity growth is a lifetime process. It's, it's never over until he brings us home to glory. We do not mature automatically overnight any more than a seed planted one day is suddenly ready to be harvested the next day. It's not the way it works in nature. And that's not how God has designed it to work in his kingdom. One author writes, quote, Waiting in patience does not mean being absolutely passive, but it does mean that we realize that God's purposes are greater than our own. End quote. Listen to James chapter 5, verses 7 through 8. James writes this to us. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains? You also be patient. We cannot see the inner dynamic of the Holy Spirit working through the ordinary means of grace to grow the kingdom of God, both numerically and spiritually. We cannot fathom how it works. It is invisible to us, and it cannot be perceived. Some somehow, right now, the Holy Spirit is, is working through my voice and the preaching and reading of His Word. I don't understand it. I can't see it. I don't know what He's doing. Pardoning some, growing others. I don't know. Encouraging some, rebuking others. I don't know. I can't see it. It's a mystery. But it's happening happening God tells us this is how he works so we must be patient with him and as I said in Sunday school this morning it's not magic the ordinary means of grace is not magic you know, we, we can be an ordinary means of grace that is what we should be that's what God calls us calls us to be in scripture but if his spirit is not there working through the ordinary means of grace nothing's going to happen But, his spirit only, or usually only, works through the ordinary means of grace. Word, sacrament, and prayer. These are the means that God has designed for his own spirit to work through, to build up his kingdom. Just because we are doing it, doesn't mean it's automatically going to happen. His spirit has to work through it. So we must wait patiently upon him. We must not treat it as if it's magic. As if being an ordinary means of grace, church, means that we are automatically going to grow, numerically or spiritually. So you have to have the means of grace and the Spirit of God working through those means of grace. I mean, an unbeliever could be in our presence right now, listening to the preaching of the Word of God, partaking of the sacraments, participating in prayer. None of that matters because as an unbeliever, they don't have the Spirit of God. And it won't matter until the Spirit of God gives them the new birth and changes their heart and gives them the faith that God requires. So we must be patient and wait upon the Lord. But while waiting patiently upon Him, we must also trust Him. We must trust Him because He is the ultimate cause of kingdom growth. We must trust that God is working even now within us as as individual believers, as individual Christians, corporately as a body of believers, and in the world around us, even though we can't see it, we don't feel it, it is mysterious to us, we trust Him. It is tempting to try to find means to grow or advance the kingdom of God on our own. And this is when we fall into a legalistic mindset. If I just do X, God's kingdom will grow. We talked about this this morning in Sunday school. If I just do X, God's kingdom will grow. If I just preach harder, if I just pray more passionately, if I just get out there and tell more people about Christ, God's kingdom will automatically grow. If we just had this activity in our church, or had just had this one program, God's kingdom would grow. We would be growing here. If we just had this, or if we just had that, who does that place the burden on? Us. When it is God who is at work to cause his kingdom to grow. We see this all around us today. Charismatics try to force the Holy Spirit to work through manipulative means. They treat the name of Jesus almost as if it were a magical incantation. (laughs) can impair If you just speak in tongues, if you just have more faith, then God will bless you or heal you or whatever, give you whatever you want or need. They try to force spiritual growth as well as numerical growth. Charles Finney did this in the 1800s when he developed the altar call and believed that you could manipulate people into the kingdom of God through through music and, and emotive persuasion and you just all you have to do is you have to work up their feelings, work up their emotions and come to the anxious bench
1: so then maybe I just don't feel enough maybe
0: I'm not emotional enough and that's why the church isn't growing, that's why I'm not growing, again we're putting the burden upon us to do the work that God has reserved for himself Mormons teach that we help build the kingdom of God by our own works and efforts today it's popular to say that the the church must be multi-ethnic or the church must look like this or look like that the church must be about racial justice or social justice and if it's not you're doing something wrong there's something wrong with your church All of this thinking from from Mormons to Charles Finney to charismatic to, to modern arguments today about what the church must look like and be about, all of that is human effort rather than dependence upon word and spirit working together through the ordinary means of grace. We must trust God to work as he says he will and work through the means that he says he uses in his word. Now, people don't like that because it's boring. Who wants to sit and listen to a 30-minute lecture so to speak a 30-minute sermon the ordinary means of grace in our culture where we're overstimulated and where we're all visual the ordinary means of grace come across as boring we want instant gratification we have instant access to all sorts of knowledge and just get on the internet from your mobile device you can get on the internet right now and have access to a world of knowledge. We want instant gratification, not the slow process of growth as like a seed growing from seed to full fruit. We want it to be exciting. We want it to be be visually stimulating and instantly gratifying. That's not the way that the Lord God works, folks. It takes time he works slowly he works through his means not human inventions And so we must be patient and wait upon the Lord but we all must also trust him to work as he says he would work this brings us to our final point we've seen the certainty of kingdom growth the mystery of kingdom growth and now the success Of kingdom growth. And this is really based upon the certainty of kingdom growth. Jesus tells us in this parable that the seed will grow and it will produce ripe fruit. And when that fruit is ripened, verse 29 when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. The picture of a harvest is frequently used in Scripture to talk about the great day of the Lord. And we're going to be looking at the great day of the Lord from Isaiah tonight so I invite you to come back tonight we'll be looking at the day of the Lord in Isaiah we commonly call it as commonly known as the second coming of the Lord and in verse 29 Mark makes an allusion to the Old Testament Joel chapter 3 verse 13 and this is what Joel says put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe and the apostle John in Revelation 14 sees the same thing happening listen to Revelation 14 Verses 14 through 16. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and seated on the cloud, one like a son of man, that's Jesus Christ, with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Final judgment. God is going to reap in all of his elect. He's going to gather all of his elect out of the earth to be with him forever in the new heavens and the new earth. Though the kingdom now is invisible and mysterious and sometimes looks like it is inactive from our perspective, One day, the kingdom of God is going to be made visible to both believer and unbeliever alike. And all will see that the kingdom of God was at work all along, despite any appearances. And notice that not one ripened seed is going to be left out. Jesus doesn't swing and miss, but he swings his sickle. In the Armenian system where people choose or reject God because of their free will, whenever God returns at his appointed time, they have to admit that there are going to be people cut off from the ability to choose God who might have chosen God using their free will if only they had been given more time. But with the Calvinist doctrine of election, every seed that falls on good soil will produce fruit. It will grow to the full grain that grain will ripen and it will be harvested Jesus Christ will gather his people into his kingdom it's going to be a successful farm a successful garden there will be no good soil missing there will be no ripe stalk missing from the harvest because it is a God who is at work to build his kingdom and so he is sovereign ruler over everything guarantees the success of the kingdom growth god will not and cannot fail and not one of his elect will be lost jesus will later say in mark's gospel in mark chapter 13 then they will see the son of man coming in clouds with great power and glory and then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven Nobody is going to be missed. The fullness of the kingdom of God will clearly be seen by all. The seed has accomplished its intended purpose and for which it was created. I've scattered my application throughout the sermon and yes, I completely intended that part. But let me give us one more application for this passage for us today. We must not grow weary in what God has called us to do. We must not grow weary in what God has called us to do. To paraphrase Calvin, we are not to grow indifferent about the discharge of our duty simply because the fruit of our labor does not immediately appear. The sower in the parable scatters the seed and keeps on waiting over time for the harvest. He does not give up and try a different planting method, like trying to attract people to church, Attack them, they definitely won't come in. <laughs> like trying to attract people to church with games or gimmicks or entertaining them with loud music and funny stories. He does not quit farming and go into some other vocation simply because he does not see the seed growing and producing like he wants. The world, by and large, may continue to reject our message of Christ crucified. People around us may continue to reject the proclamation of jesus christ as good news and the only way to be saved and to combat any frustration or discouragement we may be experiencing jesus tells us god's kingdom will surely come and we will surely be brought into that kingdom through faith in christ and the preserving power of the holy spirit so be patient with god trust god Let your expectations be formed and transformed by his word, by the spirit, and let us not grow weary. Though the working of the kingdom is mysterious to us, its growth is certain and successful, not because of human effort or through human understanding, but because it is God's kingdom and he causes it to grow and to be successful. Amen and amen. Let us pray.